Welcome to Hashtag General, everybody. I'm Logan Studley, and as always, my co-host is Chris Akamura. What's going on? Who is currently dying of laughter due to a miscue. Yeah. James just, like, baited us super hard. and uh... They are liars. They are lying liars. James does not make mistakes. Oh, no, not at all. He didn't cue us for the intro screen, not the actual time we'd be on uh, camera. It's so good. Uh, May I remind you that I am volunteering my time to do this, so you know, please keep, uh, <laughs> keep bad-mouthing me. I feel like I should go on the record about how awesome James is. He really is. Yeah, there we go. It's quite, he's quite the... Uh... Have we unburied ourselves, James, or are we still in trouble? As he fixes something, so I think we're okay. As he puts the lens cap on. That's great. Uh, As he affixes the lens cap back on. James has all the power. We're just figureheads. As you can see in the trailer, he becomes King of Oregon. Um, <laughs> That's very true. How are you doing, Chris? Not bad. It's been a, a busy week, but yeah, because uh, you just had TwitchCon, didn't you? I had TwitchCon, and then I came back, and we had, and Samantha had her had her first MRI. That's interesting. right, because I don't know if you want to go into it. Yeah, so there, she but... had like a uh, medical condition where half her face wasn't working. Uh, so that was highly concerning. So we figured out it was something called Bell's palsy. It's like a virus that uh, infects her face and yeah, makes it so you... half of her muscles don't Yeah, move. you sent me a picture and my immediate comment was, it looks like she's had a stroke. Yeah, so it was just concerning. Uh, the, it was getting better if we had medication for it, uh, but it's a virus, so it yeah. can't, you can't get rid of it with medication. It just has to run its course. Yeah. But uh, we had medication for it. It was getting better. But the other side of this is if it's not Bell's palsy, then it could be a, a tumor or a something else. So in other words, you're, you guys are having to make sure that right. you're ruling everything out. Right. So that was an interesting situation. But I mean, she powered through it. She slept through most of it because uh, the doctor was like, keep her, keep her sleep deprived. And I was like, if anyone stays up late, it's going to be me. So I'll, I'll go ahead. And I stayed up late and I kept her up. Uh, me and my dad kept her up. And uh, yeah, she, she was fine. So yeah. that was good, but yeah, Twitch coming back to that after TwitchCon was just kind of a probably just like a, it was like, hey, I just finished one stress to go to a completely different kind of stress. Although, although TwitchCon wasn't that stressful, it was one of the few events. You know, like you've worked events before, you yeah. both worked events before, where you, if you ask everyone, it's usually pretty much a spectrum of like between if you work the event, it's either great or it's a stressful nightmare, yeah. and then if you're attending the event, it's either something great and awesome or something that was like, and eh, not as good as you expected. TwitchCon was something where everyone that I talked to that worked the event and everything I've seen was like, hey, this was a fantastically run event and, and something that was really smooth. And then everyone that attended was like, hey, everyone, this was a lot of fun. So yeah, no, it's it having, like everyone had a good time. Having worked bad events, yeah. when you work a good event where everything's flowing smoothly, it's so much. It's like you, it's not like you're relaxing while, yeah. what's going on, but you remember how bad it could be. And you're like, right. oh, this is just fine. <laughs> right. Uh, so but. it was really funny because just quick story the first day i get there uh there's a problem with the uh security staff so the security security staff is obviously san diego convention center yeah. security staff uh so they have no idea what's going on so uh we're in the sounds like comic-con right so we're in the back with the twitch war room and uh I had one of my badge was supposed to work for backstage access or for you know just staff access but uh, apparently it wasn't. And so I was like, oh, cool. 
okay, great. And so I had to run out and do something. And so we were kind of scrambling, trying to get me a new badge because I can't get back. Yeah. Here. Like you go out and do something. Right. You can't get back. And in. I was like, uh, okay. So I was like, screw it. I need to go now. You guys can figure it out later. And so while they're scrambling around in the back, uh, I'm just kind of running back and forth doing my thing. And then I just kind of walked back up. There was no security in the thing where I was in the way that I was going. And I was like, oh, I made it back in here. And I was like, oh, well, let me just try it again. And so, again, people are still scrambling trying to get me badges. And so, blah, blah, blah. And then I did it again. And I was like, oh, cool. And so I walk into the room, and they're like, we're going to get you badges. And I was like, so I can just consistently get back here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone just kind of stopped in their tracks. They're like, how? I was like, There's... we have, like, no security on the door. I was like, well, the security up top. <laughs> But because it's on the middle floor, of the yeah, the mezzanine, right? yeah. So top floor and bottom floor, you know, they're connected by the first escalator. But that middle part, it has that the double escalator. Yeah, yeah. The, so top the part, advantage of being to the well, yeah, so much. the top floor has security on it. The bottom floor doesn't. So I was just coming from the bottom back up, and like no one stopped me. And so I was like, oh, well, so I just got, I can consistently get back here. And they're like, oh, that's. That's that's, good. that's even more of a problem. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, well, good for me, though. Yeah, I mean, it, like, it works for me right now. Yeah, I was now, like, it's but... good for me right now. But so eventually I got it fixed and, like, there's security and whatever. But it's just a funny moment of, like, one of those things of, like, hey, guys, I know we're worried about something, but, like, we might have a we bigger We might have problem. a bigger security <laughs> problem. Uh, which I think happens at every event. There's always, like, somewhere. There's always something there's, weird. Like, there's something weird where everyone's like, wait, that shouldn't be that way. And right. You're like, well, it is that way. Right. Also, there's the fact that sometimes if you just, like, every time I've done this, I've had access to a place. But, like, whenever there's, because a lot of the events I've worked have had a lot of celebrities there. Right. Or talent to where. Logan's a big wig. Yeah, Logan. I'm a huge big wig. It's not like I was the lowly PA on the bottom of the chain. But, like, where I would need to get access to a place. And sometimes it would be like, well, they mislabeled my badge. But if I just walk through here and look like I have a purpose and I'm just like, you stride through with a purpose. Yeah. With, like, something in hand. You're like, hold on, I need to get this thing going. And, like, yeah. everyone's like, oh, they, they, have a, they have a goal. They have a purpose yeah. and a duty. And then they're just like. They leave you alone. So. Hello, Lord uh, Banana Expert Day. <laughs> Expert, how's it going? <laughs> so yeah, um, we have an exciting week coming up. We do have an exciting week coming up. How much do you want to talk about that? We can talk about it a bit. I mean, like, there's a lot <laughs> to kind of unpack here. No, there's um, not a lot to unpack. But not like, a lot to unpack. But... So we're going to Galaxy's Edge for the first time. Yes, um, it'll be my actually first time at Disneyland in over a decade. Yeah, are you so, excited for that? Uh, the Disneyland part, it's kind of like, it, I'm excited for the fact that like I never got to do Space Mountain when I came right. as a teenager. Um, but, uh, so I'm excited to do some of the stuff I didn't get a chance to do because right. it was just, the, for people who, to fill everyone in, the one time I went to Disneyland, it was on a family trip over the Christmas holiday, which is the worst... I think I was 16. Okay. It was like the worst time of year to go to Disneyland. Right. So it was jam full of people. The lines were ridiculously long. It just was... My, the Most of my memories are like five minutes on Pirates and then hours in line. Right. So it wasn't like the world's greatest experience. Sure. I would suggest Thanksgiving 
is like a good that's we we always went on like family vacations over thanksgiving and that's like a pretty good time to go because people usually don't right go on they vacations don't think for thanksgiving yeah, that's a good plan i think our plan for this weekend or for this week yeah we're going on a tuesday we're going on a tuesday and it's during a jewish holiday yeah so we're um, hoping that that me mitigates any like additional traffic right and not to assume that 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 the the majority of Disneyland, right? Not not assuming that, but like I, but because it's just a holiday, we're assuming right. It's, that it's it gonna might, be less people. Yeah. Just yeah, any any like if ten percent of the people that are Jewish aren't gonna be at Disneyland, that's ten percent less people. Like you know, and plus it, it's during the week, and it's like okay, cool. It basically, was like I think it was more the fact it lined up with the holiday than which holiday it was. Right, it, any kind of holiday, I think. Any kind of holiday us. where we're like, this might impact the attendance. Right. So you have a good time. Um, yeah. But I'm excited. I'm super excited to go to Galaxy's Edge for the first time. Yeah, because uh, it's, I mean, first off, it's Galaxy's Edge, which is like right up our ballpark. Right. But then also at the same time, what? James laughs. Right up your ballpark is a funny, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like true. mistake phrase. Hey, you know what? I'm filled with wonderful mistake phrases. Like, where is the ballpark <laughs> on your body? <laughs> um, well, it's if it's right, up something, it's probably it's right next to it's right next to the taint. Um, <laughs> it just depends on which direction you're going. They're both about the same. Um, it's like a good like euphemism because it's like it's kind of in the ballpark of other things, but nothing not specific. It's you know it's a general purpose slang term. It's in my ballpark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's the it's the space in which I park my balls. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> we've gone off the rails quickly. Um, off the rails are right where we should be. It's true. It's true. It's about it's about the standard thing here. Uh, the no, so like going to Galaxy for the first time. I'm excited to like do that. Uh, obviously, we I go to Disneyland a lot, so like I know kind of the lay of the land and where yeah. to go. But Galaxy's Edge like throws this really nice wrinkle where it's it's, it's gonna, new. It's gonna make me switch up the way I experience Disneyland because like obviously we're gonna beeline straight for Galaxy's yeah, Edge. Yeah, we're beeline for Galaxy's Edge. Um, so we're gonna check if there's a queue. If there's not, then if there is, then we can sign up for the queue and then walk around the yeah. park. If there is, if there if there isn't, then we can always walk in there. Um, we can do our thing and then grab fast passes for yeah, stuff exactly. And kind of head in and out as we go. One of our the big ideas that or focuses I know we've talked about because it's not just us going right is how much we want to like immerse ourselves in as much as we can in Galaxy's Edge right. Um, to like, because there's so many little like you hear about all the little Easter eggs and everything yeah. you can find and explore there to where it's kind of just like. We're, since it's supposed to be a quiet day, hopefully we can actually just like, uncover as much as we can. Yeah, or as much as we want to dive into. Yeah. Like, you know, and the thing that's great is like we're not paying $100 to go to Galaxy's Edge. We're paying $100 to go into Disneyland. And so yeah. there's a lot more other things. Like if, if at any point we're like, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of done with Galaxy's Edge. If I'm kind of done with Galaxy's Edge, we have already booked a time to, you know, do the lightsaber yeah. building. It's like, it literally, it's more of a. Once we feel like we're burned out or yeah. just need a break and can switch it up, we can switch it up. We can switch it up and then go back. Like yeah. it's not it's not a thing where because Galaxy's Edge, there's not a ton to do in Galaxy's Edge, right? Yeah. So if it's too busy or if it's like too cramped or if something's going wrong or like if a ride breaks down or if, if we're just not feeling it right now, like we can always go somewhere else and come back. Like it's not like a huge deal. 
so that that's kind of an exciting thing yeah um, but i mean i'm i'm so excited to go and just kind of walk around and, and just kind of experience it's, that because i know atmosphere. we've talked about it before it opened that one of the ideas that made galaxy's edge so interesting is uh the fact that it is the closest we've come to so far of a Westworld yeah style theme park engagement right admittedly no creepy robots yet but <laughs> well unless yet. you count hondo um which I'm honestly excited to see Hondo in live action. Right. But the idea of it not necessarily being a theme park where you go to do all of the events, but more of a you go there to immerse yourself in the experience right. is something that I find really interesting. So right. it's, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm super excited. So on that note, yeah. there are two Disneyland things that came out, and I forgot to throw them on the docket, but like, do need to talk about them. Okay, let's talk about uh, Rise of the Resistance had its first kind of previews to Insiders. Okay. Uh, do you see any of this stuff? I did not see any of it. This so, is the last time I saw anything about Rise of the Resistance right, was so, prior to Galaxy's Edge even opening. Right, so they released some screenshots of what it looks like inside. So picture, like actually, not, not concept art, not any, like real pictures of what it looks like inside. Um, and then they let people into the main room of the ride. Um, and so... They didn't get to ride the ride, but they got a general overview of what it is, and then a, hey, look at this room that you'll be in, and yeah. like, just for a sense of scale and things like that. Um, and some, I heard this statement, before I even heard anything, I heard someone call it this, and I was like, they're over-exaggerating a little bit. And then the more I kind of heard about it, the more I read into it, the more I was like, oh, I'm kind of in agreement, is they called it the greatest theme park experience of all time. Uh, and... For one, I think this is cool. So I'm going to walk you through this really quick of all the information that's there. Yeah, but drop it because... So, again, this is all kind of speculation because they were kind of vague. But if you know Disney, you know kind of how they run and how they operate and what they... It's one of those... Disney is one of those companies where I think like Apple, if you pay a lot of attention to them, you start to notice the pattern. Right. Like you kind of know how they work and how their rides work. And and so... uh, and the thing is, they didn't develop any kind of new ride tech for this ride. It's just more different theming and different uh, situational stuff. So it basically combines Star Tours and Indiana Jones. Yeah, like my because this was back when they did their initial walkthrough with some members of the press. Yeah, I think I think it was uh, Matthew Panzerino at TechCrunch who described it, not necessarily as this immersive experience and all this new tech, it was more like, this is the take all the tech we have. And this is throw it into one thing, throw it into one thing. And this is the pinnacle achievement of all of that. Um, I guess to draw it into film, just because that's where my brain always lives. uh, The idea, one of the reasons why Casablanca is held up, not just because it's a good film is the, um, because it's a great film. It's, Casablanca is the prime example of what golden age Hollywood style filmmaking is. Right. Where it's just like a perfect execution of that assembly line style of filmmaking right. that existed in the studio period. And that's what I've been hearing Rise of the Resistance is going to be. It's like, right. this is the ultimate expression of all of the technology, all of the innovation that Disney has done so far in one package. Right, exactly. So... Obviously, you've have you been on Star Tours, or you know what Star Tours? Is? Uh, yeah, I went on Star Tours again a okay, decade cool. ago. So and then, so you have an idea of what Star Tours is, yes. and then Indiana Jones as well. You have an yes, idea. I did okay, do okay, Indiana cool. Jones. Yeah. So the idea of it is that you are leaving Batu, 
uh, and your ship gets kidnapped by the or gets captured by the first order, and then uh, you have to escape from the first order. Or, yeah, right. You're like so, escaping from a star destroyer. Right. So uh, from okay, from our from our understanding, you get into a ride vehicle like Star Tours, where it is a ship, and then you have a Star Tours experience where you are taken aboard a first order star destroyer, and then you're taken out of that first ride vehicle into a large hangar and when i mean large hangar i mean like extremely amazingly high scale from what i've heard it's they of course they're going to use force perspective but it is close from my understanding it is close to true scale right uh there are hundreds of stormtrooper animatronics that are moving around and doing things and various stormtrooper-esque actions uh and then in the back there's a large video wall that is a star destroyer hangar bay where you can see the ships flying yeah. out and you see space and whatever and you see the uh force field effects on the on the LED screen to signify that it is closed or whatever you know yeah. that kind of thing. So that's super cool. And so then the first order officers will order you into a capture vehicle which is your secondary ride vehicle and then that one flies you around through the space as this battle between the first order and the resistance are there to break you out. Right? Yeah. So they it flies you around this entire area to to kind of give you the sense of this huge battle going on. And then at the end of it, you are taken out and the resistance people lead you to another vehicle, which is another star towards S yeah. vehicle to take you back to Batu. So, wow, that means you're doing like uh, three, three different vehicles, vehicles with two transfer points with actors there to help you in one run. Holy crap! Right, with three actor with actors there to help you to sell the idea of you of you getting like quickly get into the other vehicle or like hey Maggie get into the pr- the prison vehicle kind of thing right like to, to rebel scum right like rebel scum get into the get into the rebel like you know it, it, they they had the actors there to in story get you from vehicle to vehicle which oh is really God. cool uh, and so yeah it's about a half hour long from what people are saying and it sounds absolutely insane. Uh, the timing of it has to be crazy. Oh, yeah, because you can't sit there. You probably know down to the second how long you have to get everyone from one vehicle to the next. Right. And then plus, like, you can have people in all three phases of the ride at once, um, which means that the ride probably won't take that long in terms of, in, depending on how what the capacity is for the vehicles, yeah. you, you can probably get through 100 people in, like, the 100, in the 30 minute, in a 130 minute trek. Um, so that's cool. Uh, but yeah, it just sounds insane. And it's super cool. I'm super sad it's not open. I know. like it, It's the one of the... Because I know one of my big things was I wanted to go experience this before Rise of Skywalker. Right. Um, but the fact that Rise of the Resistance wasn't opening at Disneyland until January kind of was like, well, I guess that's just going to be how it is. Right. I mean, we can always go back. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. Because um, I know I'm going to want to go back and do exactly. it again. And like, you know, it's not a big deal. But... Yeah, it's it's super cool. But on that same vein, they did announce that all the Avengers stuff that's coming to uh, so the Galaxy's Edge level expansion that they did for Disneyland, the one that's going to be in California Adventure, right? They're doing for they're doing that scale of world building and like expansion for California Adventure for Avengers and for Marvel. Uh, and so they did announce that all of the rides there, I think three they have three rides planned, and all three rides will have brand new ride tech. So they haven't done that in a very long time. 
so that's that's an exciting thing. I'm excited for that Spider-Man ride that they announced. I'm excited for the Avengers ride that they announced. Um, so that's all very, very cool and very yeah. exciting. No, Disneyland's going to be... <laughs> Disneyland, yeah. Yeah. So why don't we... Let's move on and start diving through our topic list. So, James, Marvel. Speaking of Marvel. Yeah. Segway. Segway. Um, so, Spidey's back. Surprise. Surprise. I'm not that surprised. <laughs> no, I mean, actually surprised because it was Tom Holland. Tom Holland yeah. To fix the deal. And, like, if it wasn't for him, he probably wouldn't have gotten done. Yeah, I, that's the thing is uh, every, all the sources out there were basically saying both Sony and Disney were just like, you know what? We could, we're fine. Yeah. We don't need it. Tom Holland's like, Bruh. Tom Holland apparently had booked face to face meetings with both Bob Iger and, uh, I forget his first Rob. name, but Rothman at over at Sony, yeah. and basically was like, "No, no, no, we can't, we can't do this." Right. He cares too much about being Spider-Man in that universe to just let it go. Right. So, I mean, mad props to him. I yeah, think, and I think like it's cool to see an actor that young kind of understand his worth and yeah. understand like that I have the power to make this happen. Right. I have the power, and I have the I can throw my weight around a little bit here because uh, the Hollywood Reporter had a more in depth piece on this um which will be included in the show notes uh where uh evidently one of the reasons they think sony was willing to play ball once he started to like well, the uncharted thing. is uncharted yeah sony has decided to invest a lot of money into tom holland right to where an unhappy tom holland <clears throat> is probably not a good thing for them right especially long term and like the yeah. thing is that from what i've heard from people the I can't, I can't say who, but I, it's, sources reliable have told me that Sony's putting a lot of money into the video game adaptation stuff. Like they want to start bringing in. I know they've invested a lot in the Last of Us movie yeah. and a lot into the Uncharted movie. Well, it's it's a space where they have a lot of intellectual property that they can draw upon that hasn't been brought to cinema yet. Right, and like you know, I'm. I'm interested to see where they go with it. And like, I don't know if Tom Holland's the right person to do that uh, or what, like the direction they're going in with it, but you know, could be fine. But if Sony's putting in a lot of money into it and like, if Tom Holland's like, yeah, I'm not going to do uncharted now. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's it's not good. One of those scenes where I think in Sony's mind, because everything is, the deal is apparently only for one more movie, right? One Uh, more movie and one more Marvel movie. Oh, I didn't realize there was another Marvel. Yeah, connection. so it's one, it's Sony, it's Spider-Man three, and then one more Marvel, uh, like cinematic universe. One more MCU yeah. appearance, which is I think would that take Tom Holland then to the end of his contract? Because isn't he on a five picture deal? Yes, so it would take him to the end. Yeah, which um, is probably. And then also, you know, that also gives opens the door for Tom Holland to renegotiate and say, "I'm only doing this if." If it's still with Marvel, right. which honestly, it's it's kind of like we've talked about this in the past. It's not that I like that there's all this consolidation around Disney right now. Right. With pretty much every IP, it right. seems like it, that's doing well is being run by Disney. Right. Um, but Sony, I think, overvalued 
themselves when it came to the turnaround into how Spider-Man was appreciated. Right. Because they kind of burned it into the ground with the Amazing Spider-Man series. Right. And I think they thought Venom doing so great meant that they didn't need the MCU. Right. It's just... I mean, to to me, and I I understand your point, and I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where, you know, Marvel, or Sony, or, sorry, Disney having everything is probably not the best thing for the industry, but at the same time, to me... And again, speaking as a Marvel fan, having all the Marvel characters together and the way that universe is built and building it together, to me, is the most important part of like, if you're going to have franchises consolidated in the one that you want to consolidate is Marvel. Marvel's the one that kind of deserves to be consolidated and deserves to have all of its kind of playing cards. And the only reason it's not consolidated is because of the money issues they had in the 90s. Right. And like the, you know, they almost went bankrupt. So, I mean, yeah. we're lucky that all of these characters are still able to do this, but it's because the thing too is Spider-Man is like the one out there anymore. There's a couple uh, characters who are still technically held by Universal, but Universal only has distribution rights for standalone films, right? but doesn't have rights to the characters. Right. So um, it's, it's Hulk and Namor, yeah. like the two kind of name, like, big huge one i think they have super scroll too but like yeah it's it's not a huge deal one of those the big thing i think is sony has to make i think a new spider-man every three to five years otherwise they lose the rights to the character so no matter what happens this is going to be a continual issue for the foreseeable future where there is going to be a back and forth between sony and disney and i don't believe at all that at some point sony's going to just break away it, it, and from their standpoint, it doesn't really make sense to always be beholden to Disney when it comes to a character that they have the rights to. Sure. And my one hope is that either they close out Spider-Man in MCU and have it just wrap right. in some way, or they give Sony the ability to play more of the character in a way where he's been removed from the MCU right. and brought into like some form of Spider-Verse. Like, yeah, that, I could see that happening. If they do it that way, and I can see, I think Kevin Feige is the kind of person who cares more about the character than the, com- <laughs> than the corporate side of things, right. to where he would gladly set that up for Sony to pick up and take away if it meant that Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man could continue and that hopefully in the future he could either bring him back but at the same time he doesn't upset the fan base right. by just leaving another nebulous right why is this isn't the ending right that happened with uh, Far From Home yeah that would have been really bad to leave that that hanging yeah so. that was a really bad way to leave it but all props to Tom Holland for you know actually just being like no I'm not I'm not right. happy with this and we need to we need to find a solution so, yeah. Very good. But let's move on. So, tech. Oh, James is doing laundry at the same time right <laughs> hey, now. Man. And so I, I get to say, let's move on. Then I get a turn. Give me a few seconds. I turn and I can watch him frantically finish folding something and then, like, go over and hit the button. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so the next level multitasking. Yeah. But one of the, this is kind of just a thing I wanted to touch upon because the headline to me was just like, okay, we're getting crazy town. Where the idea is researchers apparently have figured out a way to like, they call it wearable skin where you can feel like touches in VR. And they were talking about it from like medical standpoint. That'd be interesting. But the headline literally reads like, okay guys, we're not going to say it out loud, but sexy times in VR. Yeah. (laughs) I I read that headline. I'm like, okay, we are, that's, that's what's next apparently. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, 
I mean, like, I I love the idea of, like, them pushing tech, but, like, man, this can get real weird. This is going to get really weird really fast. I just wanted to highlight that so we could talk about how weird it's going to be that yeah. this is probably going to be a thing we see in 10 I mean, years. like, we could see really cool stuff where it's, like, you know, taking damage and, like, it can hurt. Or yeah, you know, or that, there's some, cool. like, f- uh, weird, like, tactical feedback right. in this, whatever you're wearing, but, like... VR suits are eventually going to hit the point where it's just going to be you literally are like all decked out in a costume. I mean, like there's a game uh, that does that. I forget what it was. It was there's a a rhythm game that does that. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember what it's called. But uh, yeah, there's a Japanese game that does that. You wear full suit and it like gives you vibrations and, and different things depending on how well you're doing. And it's really cool. Really well done. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, but it just was like, I saw that headline. I was like, okay, Chris and I are going to at least it's a great headline. Like it's a great headline. Two minutes, because it's just like <laughs> that headline conveys almost every dirty thought without actually saying any of them. Well, because I, like, I could see it now. Yeah. It's like, we know where this is going to yeah. go. We know the first tech that is going to be developed around this is not going to be coming from like your traditional game developer. <laughs> it's, no. Yeah, it's going to be very adult. Um, so let's move on to uh, Microsoft's event that happened earlier this week. Did you look at any of these at all? I did. Uh, the Nothing really impressed me. I'm curious why everyone's going towards this, <laughs> towards this the foldable folded, device yeah, it, it's, thing. Because uh, I saw one of the videos I showed, and it just... It immediately reminded me of the sidekick. Yeah. Where you could open yeah, it yeah, up yeah. and, like, type. But it's like, okay, so really they made a sidekick... Where there's no outside screen, there's only internal screens. Yeah. And at the same time, you don't have a keyboard anymore as much as you have a software keyboard. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that might be the only time I can see that second screen being kind of handy is that you get this. I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing that happened with the 3DS, right, or the DS, right? Like everyone's like, Nintendo, what are you doing? There's no one's gonna use that bottom screen. It's like the bottom screen actually came in handy and was like a really great feature for a long time. That's why they kept it with the 3DS. Yeah. But yeah, it's a. I'm curious why after what we've the failures we've seen, why people keep going back to this foldable device. What's what's interesting about this one is the fact that unlike the Galaxy Fold or whatever it's called, this one isn't one screen. It's two separate screens on two devices. So at that point, it's really all they have done is be like, you know what is better than one phone? Two Two phones phones stuck together, and it's just to me. To me, it's just a less elegant. Full. Yeah, it's a it, where the advantage like, it has is they can actually use a class display, so it isn't gonna like puncture itself right. like the full. But like, but it's just it rose me the wrong way where it's like, cool, we've seen this great leap in tech because like as much as it failed, the fold is a really cool piece of tech. The fact we can fold a display right. anymore is a crazy. Like, it's a really cool tech. But like, was it you, Huawei did that did the one where they literally yeah. have the full phone is literally all display? Yeah, it's really cool and like the idea. So when you go from stuff like this and stuff where it's like, oh my god, this is revolutionary tech, executed poorly, but like revolutionary tech, and then you go, hey guys, what if we do that, but we just take two phones and stick them together? (laughs) It's not like, and that's the deal, and then the Neo is sort of like, guys, guys, what if we do that, and we just stuck two tablets together? (laughs) And it's just like, I, I... 
And they apparently Verge had a bit where they had talked to some uh, Microsoft execs and they're like, so why, how do you think this is going to take off? And like, well, the reason we're announcing it, because A, they're announcing this a year early, which kind of made no one pay attention to sure. any of the other, because they announced new surfaces at the same event yeah. and no one cared because, hey, look, Microsoft put out these two screen devices. What's that about? Their hope is by putting it out so early, developers will develop programs that can take advantage of both screens. But you immediately run into the problem of what developer outside of Microsoft is going to sit there and take the time to develop technology for a device that may or may not sell well. This is exactly why the DS... This is the same problem Nintendo had for years with the DS, the Wii, and the Wii U. The developers... So, like, Nintendo had the big problem of, like, third-party support for a long time... And so it be- was because the DS came out and they're like, wow, experimental piece of tech. And like, no one knew if it was going to sell well. And then it did. And then third parties jumped in because they're like, ooh, cool, yeah. shiny thing. Right. And then it sold really well and they were fine. Then the, the Wii came out and they were like, oh, I'm not sure. This is really experimental. And then like all of a sudden, boom, then it did really well. And then everyone else made stuff for it. Yeah, exactly. Then uh, the 3DS came out. Same thing. Boom. Or like time period, time period. Didn't do anything. Didn't do really well. Then Nintendo dropped the price on it. Then it did really well. Then people started making money or yeah. started making games for it. Then the Wii U came out. And it failed. And, and it failed because no, it, it didn't sell well and no one made games for it. Yeah. And it's and that's going to be the big problem Microsoft has is as much as they're putting that a year early, they are overly banking on this idea that developers are going to be so enamored by this new piece of tech right. that they're going to develop something for it that is going to make it all of a sudden the must-have yeah, no, thing. It's not going to be. And... No one's going to do it. No. They're going to wait and see how it sells. And then the real problem of the Android ecosystem is going to come out. And that is the fact that there's really Samsung and everybody else. Also, can we talk about how they chose to to pick an Android oh, iOS yeah. instead of their own And they're Windows. running Android. So like the <laughs> tablet, the Neo is running a new version of Windows. Yeah. But what you have Windows iOS on on or is it, your it's, phone? Yeah, it's literally. So why are you using Android on this one? <laughs> and apparently, it's apps again. They're like, well, we, yeah. they're like, well, this is where all the apps are. So that's what we have to do. And it's like, you know what? Given how Microsoft is focusing on cloud tech and doubling down on Office, it makes sense that you're going to not that you're going to just admit that this is where the market is going. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like it's real bad. It's not great optics. No. Um. But whatever. Yeah, it's there because they're doing another Android device. They are going to be another also ran. Yeah. And they're dooming themselves to that. Yep. So it's. I can't wait for Huawei to ca- to copy this one. <laughs> See right? what they do with it. Um, it, it just was one of those cases where I guess ultimately what it comes down to. I don't think these are great devices. No. I think this is a huge misstep by Microsoft, but I'm glad that Microsoft is stepping into this because if there's any one thing that is going to help propel this technology forward, it is more competition. Yes. So well, good competition. This isn't good competition. Yeah. This is bad competition. This I want is terrible. Mi- yeah, this is bad competition, but I want Microsoft to just keep doing it because that means everyone else is going to at least if they strike gold, everyone else is going to have to adjust. Yes. But so, right now, everyone's laughing at them because they made a right, terrible. This device. is a, this was a bad move. So let's let's move on to um, the Apple event. Before we go too deep into it, um, right before the Apple event broke, ver, uh, I think it was Vanity Fair. Yeah, Vanity Fair wrote uh, did a bit uh, from Bob. It was like basically an excerpt from Bob Iger's book where he talked about working with Steve Jobs. Right. 
And I think there was quite a bit of stuff in there that was interesting. The thing that everyone ran with was that he flat out said in his book he thought if Steve Jobs was still alive that he would have discussed at some point. Not that it would have happened, but they would have discussed merging Apple and Disney. Right. Which was kind of, everyone was like, hey, let's take the biggest behemoth in tech and the biggest behemoth in entertainment entertainment and just mush them together. And everyone's thought was, oh my God, they'd be unstoppable. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's weird too because when you read Iger's book and like all the stuff coming out about it, they were very close friends. They're like they had a very close relationship, uh, and yeah. like there's a lot of stuff about Jobs in that book. Surprisingly, because I didn't expect there to be that much stuff about Jobs. Well, in I there. think what I find interesting is that I didn't realize like Bob Iger was one of apparently the first people to know about Steve's cancer, right? And it was because of the Pixar bio. Mm-hmm. Um, where Steve basically was like, I 30 minutes, 30 minutes before they go out to announce that Disney was buying Pixar, Steve Jobs tells Bob Iger, I'm going to give you an out. He literally did this. He puts yeah. his hand on Bob Iger's shoulder and goes, I'm going to give you an out. I have cancer. I think you should know that just in case that changes anything. <laughs> and Bob Iger is just like, oh, my God, we, this is 30 <laughs> 30 minutes yeah. and his brain is going we have to buy Pixar oh god Steve Jobs has cancer oh god do I have to disclose to someone that Steve Jobs has cancer is there like he's like right. thinking through all of these problems and he's like I have no time to address any of this <laughs> but we need Pixar <laughs> yeah and so he kind of just dove in and but apparently they had a really good relationship yeah so I mean it's cool it's cool to kind of read the stories that come out from that book. I mean, it's there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Yeah. But um yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought and thought experiment just think of like what that company would be now. Yeah, it just it was one of those things where it was just very interesting to see. Question though, yeah. do they merge into a newly named company or do they keep Disney? Because you can't You don't want to lose the Disney name and you also don't want to lose the Apple name. I know. It, it's one of those cases. So what where do you do? What you do is you, just, you create a parent company right, that is both. probably going to be called like uh, Apple Disney, or it's going to yeah. be it's going to be like National Amusements owning Viacom and CBS before right. they merge. It's going to be a name no one knows, right. but everyone knows like the company. Like how many people don't realize that Google is now has a parent company called Alphabet? Probably the majority of everyone. So it would probably be a case like that, and they would keep each individual name just because it makes no sense to. Right. It's the same reason why all Star Wars are released by Lucasfilm and not by Disney, even right. though it's, you see it at the end of the credits, distributed by Walt Disney or Buena Vista or whatever it's yeah. called. But yeah, I, I think they would have kept both. But it was just a very interesting thing to land around the same time that Bob Iger steps down from the Apple board because of conflicts due to right. the Apple TV Plus, and Apple's about to have a major announcement. It just was like a weird confluence of all bunch and it of wasn't, Bob and it wasn't, Apple news. And it wasn't planned because there's a lot of other stuff in that book and the yeah. book was planned to come out for a long time. It just happened to coincide this way. And we'll have, we'll have more to talk about the book later. Right. But it just was kind of interesting how that tidbit landed right before Apple's event. Right. Very interesting. But let's go into the event itself. Um, so... I don't really have too much to say. Oh, actually, here, I, 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 I completely forgot. Oh... Um, thanks for the new phone. I <laughs> so yeah, so I so Jenny and Jenny and I got new phones. Uh, she ended up getting an eleven, and then I got eleven Pro Max. I'm gonna want to play with those cameras at some point. Yeah, so the cameras are insane. That's okay. that was like the number one thing. 
Because I think this is the one thing I wanted to bring up uh, before we go too deep into cameras is there was uh, John Gruber over at Daring Fireball wrote this in his review, and I know it came up also on his podcast when he was talking to Joanna Stern of Wall Street Journal, that they think that one of the biggest problems that reviewers have right now with iPhones, not that they, it's not really they have a problem, more one of the things that they need to start addressing is this idea that, like, I'm still rocking an SE. If I went from that to that, that is an amazing improvement. The fact that everyone writes these reviews with this idea of what came out the year before really undermines the fact that for the majority of people, that's going to be, right. it's going to be a major update, not a minor one. But holy crap, all the details about the cameras. Like, yeah, I will not lie, are... because of our trip to Galaxy's Edge, I low-key was sitting there going, should I go out and buy a new iPhone just for the camera? Yeah, I mean, the camera's, I not, pretty, but in- I was the camera's pretty insane. And, like, for me, for someone that works in social media and works in, like, needing to take pictures with my phone, uh, the cameras are like a godsend. Like, it, it, they're insanely good. Uh and like getting and getting better in low light or night situations, night modes a really big deal. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a great phone so far. Uh, like a lot of the reviews say too, and it, I do kind of agree with you that the Apple up, like these are my favorite kind of updates. Like these are from going from like the uh, the ten the ten yeah. So going from the ten R to eleven, like that year upgrade. That's why these are the kind of upgrades I like to see year to year. Where it's like, cool, slightly better processor, slightly better screen, uh, better camera. Like, these, I don't need, like, because everyone, it's like the typical thing with my mom, right? My mom's not tech savvy at all. My mom yeah. has no idea what's going on. And so when she was like, oh, I was like, oh, I got a new phone. And she goes, oh, what's the new thing about this phone? And I was like, I mean, we're kind of past that. We're past that. It's, it's not. We're like, seeing incremental updates. Right. And, and that's it, not a bad thing. It means that the, it means that this category of device has matured. Right. And it, and like as soon as you're stop, as soon as you are able to stop getting past the gimmicks and like, oh, look at this new thing we got. Look like then whatever new feature they're pushing. If they're not pushing any new feature, then it's like this is peak device. This is peak like because we hit the point of of optimization which is like cool because if you look at it over the past few years apple's updates there have been updates in screen tech yeah updates in processing power but they're not necessarily like major oh my god groundbreaking improvements no, no, no. not at all except in the camera the camera is probably the only place where the right. apple is making and everyone honestly yeah. is making crazy amount of improvement well because it's like the last bastion of like what can we do with this thing yeah uh, they're getting closer and closer and closer to like what you would ass- what you would assume you would get from a DSLR or like some some kind of high end uh, telescopic camera. Like it's yeah. crazy. The thing about this too that I like is it's the first time in a while that Apple has sacrificed size and weight for, for battery. battery. I know it was such a smart um, move. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing. And I, and the thing is that I've noticed it. It's it's noticeable. It's the kind of thing where. I play a lot of games on my phone. I play. I use my phone a lot. Again, I do social media for a living, so I'm. All, I live on my phone and I work on my phone, and so I've seen like the difference in battery life of like when I need to charge. I had. I I walk around fucking carrying three. Like when you go to Galaxy Edge, I'm gonna bring three battery packs with yeah. me. I don't. I haven't used any in like a week. 
Like I just naturally like, oh, if I'm out and I use, I'm on my phone, I don't need to use one. Yeah. Meanwhile, with my SE, if I don't charge it in the middle of the day, if I know I'm doing something that night, I will run out of battery power. Right. Which is crazy. Like, it's crazy to think about how far the batteries have come. And like partially maybe yours is maybe because it's an older battery, it's, right? It's not like health wise. I'm still at 90%. Huh. It's literally that it's, the battery it's size, so right? the device, and this is the thing that with the smaller devices, as much as I like the size of it, yeah. there's only so much space you can throw a battery right. in a small device. It's not that the battery's bad; it's that it's small. Right. So it's it's good that Apple has finally started to be like, you know what? For quality of life, we're at a point where being we've hit peak thin yeah we can go a little bit thicker if it means that we can achieve peak battery right which is one of the things that i think is just and like a and, great and it's not not that they haven't before but like apple is really kind of hitting a stride where like they understand their i think the shock of the 10 and like what the backlash they kind of got from not the backlash but like kind of the pushback they got from the 10 i think they've kind of hit a point where they now really understand what people want in their phones and well, really kind of understand like okay we're seeing, what is important to people i think we're seeing this across their entire hardware line not just phones not just ipads but even on their computers because right. all of the rumors that are coming out with like what the next macbook pro is going to be right. the concentration around the mac pro the imac pro and all that is they've realized finally I want to say about a year, two years ago, that a lot of their design decisions going into those hardware where they were trying to make sleek and new and cool was starting to actually impact the people using the device to the point where they were starting to get a bad reputation, even among their own fans, for not making the best like laptop. Right. And I think they're I think they're finally found the balance in phones in particular, iPads. Yes. And they're getting there with their Mac hardware. But this idea where they, they need are, to get rid of the smart bar. <laughs> I don't think they will. But yeah, them thinking that was going to be the thing that would make everyone go ooh and ah was just like, no. no. Um, especially like without the lack of a hardware escape. Yeah. It was just a bad decision. You can't turn it off because you lose your escape key. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think seeing Apple... St- the best bits of Apple's innovation right now are them literally going, what can we do to make our devices just that much better rather than what can we do to make everyone go, wow. Right. And as much as that means everyone's like, oh, the new iPhone isn't as exciting. It's like, well, it's still going to be a damn good device. Like, I can't wait to update my phone. Right. Um, But, yeah, I think the only other real note I have is, holy crap, iOS 13 is buggy. <laughs> Yeah, it's super buggy, and like the they, you know, when, you know something's real buggy when Apple pushes out a fixes update, like oh, on a Friday. No, this <laughs> happened. They put on a fix update on a Friday, and then there was another fix update that Monday. Yeah, like it's like, oh man, they must have worked through the weekend. But like, I run into a bug on my iPad where every once in a while I can't open it, uh, an app from my dock. Oof. Yeah, and so I'll have to like sit there and like open it another way, or go into multitasking and open it that way. Yeah. But there are bugs. As much as there's a lot of really cool stuff, like being able to use my Xbox controller with this thing, holy crap, it's awesome. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's... Yeah. It's, I need uh, to open an app from my dog. Yeah, not the best. And I think that seems... I think that's the big downside, is all this awesome hardware, but look, this 
the they really dropped out the ball on the iOS release this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I'm, I guess, really, when you go back to it, like, a lot of interesting, like, small updates. Like, the Apple Watch is now can have an always-on display. And yeah. They updated the entry-level iPad again to where it now can also use, like, the smart keyboard. They're really starting to, I think, go after that low Chromebook. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, again, it's just it comes back to Apple, I think, finally getting back in tune with its audience and like yeah. understanding what people want, right? So they're they're finally they're we're striving to reclaim their status as the best hardware manufacturer in tech. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to take them that long to get there. No, to be they're very close. Anyway. They're very close. It, it literally they they definitely the mid dip se- section of this decade was definitely a lot of missteps, but mainly on the Mac side. Yeah. Um, a few missteps on the iOS side, but yeah, the Mac side in particular was just like horrible for a good, yeah. no. good solid four years. Um, but I, the only note, final note from the event was everyone immediately after they showed off slow fees, which I'm sure are probably people are going to play with it, was the fact everyone immediately threw up the Mean Girls on Twitter. Yeah. I just saw a whole bunch of the Mean Girls uh, yeah, of meme of, stop trying to make slow fees happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but by not making it happen, it happened. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are going to be tons of slow fees out there. Oh, yeah. But it's just like, uh, <laughs> that name was... They said that. Yeah, name, what is a slow like, fee? I don't know. What they so did. the the front facing camera can now do slow mo. So it's a, it's a slow mo selfie. Slow fee. So so yeah the the front, they basically made the front facing camera as good as the rear facing camera was in the ten. So all the capabilities you had on the back facing camera on the ten, you can now do on the front facing camera, which is amazing and great tech. It just why? You're not gonna use that. It's there's someone's gonna do it. It's gonna be all over Instagram at some point, but it's you know it the, all, the it ta- name... all it takes is Kendall Jenner to do something. <laughs> it's all it cakes. Uh, and the thing is I like Kendall Jenner. I think Kendall Jenner is A the most attractive Kardashian <laughs> and B probably like one of the most interesting people on social media to to follow. But, like, whatever. That's fine. That's a different story. Uh, as, someone that's, as someone that works in social media and studies social media, Kendall Jenner's social media is fascinating. <laughs> yes. Um, but let's keep going. It's still Apple-centric, but we're going to move on to games real quick and talk about Apple Arcade. Have okay. You, have you done this at all? So I had the all? trial, uh, and I had a... I had a... a, 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 a I had a... PR person from Apple reach out to me and give me a kind of trial test of it. Okay. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see if they continue. It all depends on continued support, right? So right now they have a, they have exclusive games. They they talked about how they're going to add games every month. Yeah. Um, and like they have quality games on there now. It's just a matter of a can they continue to pay developers for exclusivity can they continue to fill this thing up with quality well, here, titles here's the thing that i learned the exclusivity is not to apple the exclusivity is to, to mobile yes. so there are some games on apple arcade that are going to be coming to console yeah no at some point yeah yeah but the idea of of, of uh, they just won't go to google they won't go to google google play store or 
any kind of Android anything. So I mean, like that. Sorry, that's what I mean. So the idea of the like, can they keep exclusivity stuff? Can they keep developers developing for specifically for this platform? Can they figure out all this stuff going on? Because for me, the way that I consume iOS, the way that most people, at least in my life that I know, consume iOS is they have a game. Or they have maybe two or three games that they have that they rotate that they, yeah. that they rotate through or they play for years, years. So getting me to switch to different games on my phone, it's not I don't consume games the same way I do on a console that I do on my phone, flat yeah. out, or on my like iOS devices. And the thing is that the industry is moving towards more of a the game industry in general is moving more towards a games as service model. Yes, as you've seen. it is. So it's. It is the fact that, like... Destiny just went free-to-play. Yeah. I mean, it's the idea... Uh, free-to-play for base, then expansion yeah. is cost. But uh, the idea that, you know, uh, I can sit here and play my game and they expect me to be here for years and years and years and years and years, and years down the line, it doesn't make a lot of sense for you to be switching from game to game to game, which is the only way that you're going to, if you're switching from game to game to game, is the only way that this is going to be worth it to you. And if you're not doing that, then it's kind of null and void. So, or like, it's not worth it in the long term. Yeah. So I'm curious. I think it's going to not flop, but I think it's going to severely underperform, uh, at least the in its current state. But yeah, I, could be, that, I could be mistaken. I've heard that all of the games, for the most part, they're, if... If the game isn't good, it's not because the game isn't good as much as it is like you're not your style game. Right. Like Kotaku, I think their headline nailed it. Apple Arcade is mobile gaming without all the bullshit. Right. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that their main interest, or I've heard this, is that if they have children, then if they only allow them to use Apple Arcade games, you don't have to worry about their kid ever accidentally doing it in that purchase. Right. Um, and that means it, also if people are the if they are the type of people who would be willing to pay for a game well why buy games when now you can for five dollars a month always get something new to play right um which i think is interesting because i know like watching my mom play games on her phone or her ipad is how much of it is she does all of these free games where you can only do like five moves before it's like you have to spend one dollar to unlock a thing and she'll be like no screw you and she'll go on to like the next game and it's like i can see for someone if they play a lot of games i can see it being worthwhile to just pay $5 and not deal with any of the right. bullshit. But you have to be the kind of person who wants to play a lot of different games to, right. I think, make it truly worthwhile. Sure. Like, there are, admittedly, there's no games that caught my attention to where I was like, oh, yeah, I want to download and do the trial to see if I want to do this. Because right. there's I, a I, few on there where I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting, but I was like, eh. Well, like like you're saying, my mom's kind of the same way where she'll download games and then play the free ones and she won't spend money or whatever, right? My dad's kind of that way. My dad's changing now, but like my mom's really that way where she doesn't want to like – she'll play games. She won't pay for them, whatever. And so this makes it a weird middle ground where it's like people that are hardcore into games like us want to stick with a game and grow and like build this game and like get better at it and, yeah. and stuff. And so then we're not going to switch around enough to make this worth it. And at the same time, the barrier to entry – for people like my mom that would make great use of this service to switch games and stuff like that. It's still the $5 a it's month. It's still the $5 a month that she's not going to pay. Yeah, exactly. So like, if she's not going to pay $0.99 cents for a game that she loves to get rid of ads and like all kinds of other stuff and just unlock a free experience, she's not going to pay $5 a month to use unlimited of like all the other games, right? So like, yeah. it's just not – it doesn't make sense to for any party here 
Um, there's no real, I don't see an audience for this, at least like, I, again, I could be mistaken, but just from my viewpoint, I don't see anything. I think what really needs to happen, because I, I think, uh, again, I think it was TechCrunch where they talked about how the big thing with Apple Arcade isn't necessarily that there's any like big triple A style game mm-hmm. so much as it is like Apple investing in indie Right. Or maybe we can start seeing some more crazy games out there that wouldn't necessarily get made if they didn't have the financial backing. Sure, I could see that. But um, it, again, but we are a we're not seeing that yet. Mm-hmm. And B, I think you're right. I think there needs to be something. There needs to be a must play game right. that can keep bringing people back inside Apple Arcade before people like you or me would sit there and be like, "Yeah, it's worth five a month." Yeah, and the thing is, for me, it's the idea of. It's you know like Kotaku's article you're saying had the the thing of like you know it's Apple it's our it's Apple Arcade it's Apple games without the without the bullshit right but yeah. like it can easily be fixed with if Apple had a better curation system for how to market and like advertise their games and like clean up their iOS store yeah so I mean it's kind of Apple shooting itself in the foot here of like hey Apple really needs to move I honestly think Apple needs to move games into its own store outside of the App Store that would right. be like the with first with better step. with better curation their curation is terrible there's the stuff on there where it's like it's getting promoted but like i don't understand why yeah it's a terrible game so you know it's and and then there's sad stuff where it's like there's wonderful games that i have to f- fucking search for and like i don't know where it is and i can't find it and like you know it's it's bad discovery is horrible yeah and there's only like it's the same problem steam has yeah uh you know where, but the difference is Steam also has the AAA titles, right? But like, it's the same kind of issue where Steam has, where it's like there's a lot of shit on there that you're you're you can't find the diamond in the rough because there's so much shit. Because there's so much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's more rough than diamond, right? Um, so let's move on to uh, TV. So uh, to wrap up Apple, the Apple TV Plus, they announced pricing, right? Five dollars a month. A lot of people are wondering if that was always going to be that way or if they did it in response to disney i think it's a little both it might be a little both but i i still think a a, there's no title out there outside of for all mankind only because that is uh ron moore who did a lot of deep space nine stuff and (laughs) battlestar galactica to where i'm like oh yeah this guy's my jam Outside of For All Mankind, I'm like not that interested in a lot of what they've been showing for Apple TV+. Plus. But the reason why I think a lot of people are sleeping on it is both the fact that it is international, which means unlike some of the other services out there, which are limited to the United States, they have billions of potential customers. Right. And the fact it's going to become free for a year with any Apple purchase, they might actually start to get people interested but it really depends on the content that they start putting out after the initial release. They 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 need a Game of Thrones must have show. Yeah, and, and if that doesn't right ha- yeah, and they don't have it right now. But you know, it's outside of Disney soon. Netflix and Amazon really there's only four groups out there that have truly come up with like an international distribution system for streaming and that puts apple in a good position even though they don't have the best content right so that's i think the big thing about apple is everyone is forgetting that 
we are so fo- used to thinking about media within the conf- confines of traditional domestic distribution that we're forgetting that that doesn't apply anymore. Right. And I think that is that's the one thing Apple has going for it. And HBO Max and Peacock, which we're about to talk about, don't is that they're going to be confined to the domestic market as far as anyone knows. But yeah, let's move on to the other streaming services uh, besides Apple. Uh, So NBC Universal did finally announce the name of their streaming service. And there's a part of me that wants to make fun of it, but there's also a part of me that appreciates the fact that they just didn't add, take one of their pre-existing company names and add like a plus to it. Yeah, or mobile. Yeah, or mobile or now. Yeah. And they just went, no, we're going to go, because the Peacock is like the... was like right. that. That's an li- explicit reference to NBC. It immediately ties it into the old name while being new. So I appreciate it on that level. But at the same time, it's still kind of like the app art like, looks like. At this, yeah. At the same time, I'm like, did they not realize everyone's gonna make gonna immediately try really hard not to make cock jokes? I mean, they're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know. it's gonna happen. But I mean. A lot of people, I, I think it was um, it was The Verge had a bit where because NBC is putting out their own service, Warner Brothers is putting out their own service here soon, that Hulu might be in trouble even though it's owned by Disney and it's only going to have Fox content. Right. But I think that's overplayed. I, I do too. I, Disney has enough content that I think that they can keep Hulu alive for the time being. And I wouldn't be surprised though if in the future they merge Hulu into Disney Plus at I, some, in some way. I'm not sure if they will merge it, but what I think, because this kind of goes into my whole thing, where I think the biggest problem I have with a lot of these streaming services, where they are have some form of domestic broadcast, right? Like, like CBS, ABC, and um, NBC, you have a free over-the-air broadcast you should do a free over-the-internet stream on some level. Just sure. do it all ad-based. And I think, I hope, that that is Disney's plan down the road for Hulu is to just basically eventually make it that ABC version of where you can get bring back free the free tier of Hulu and where it is literally, this is basically the stream of what HBO or what... ABC would be broadcasting right. at the same time over the air. And then the uh, the free or the paid service is, here is the back catalog of everything right. that's outside of just what ABC has now. Maybe less ads. Who knows how it works? But ad-based streaming is kind of going to be the way of the future. Right. Because as much as everyone hates it, advertising pays for everything you watch they don't make enough revenue off the subscriptions. They right. never would. Right. Advertising is going to be a thing. Right. Um, but Unless you pay an absorbent amount of money yeah. for subscription. But I, I think the real, I think the company with the real big problem is actually going to be Warner Brothers with HBO Max. First off, I think this is, they are totally doing a disservice to their premium brand. Yeah. By watering it down with everything. Yeah. And trying to make them make more. No, no, no. HBO should have been left alone. Be its own independent, separate thing. Let HBO be HBO. Don't add another thing on top of it. And charge. It sounds like they're going to charge more for HBO Max than they are charging for HBO Now right now. Or your standalone HBO. But it would include all the other extra. It's like, 
No one cares. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, shit. If you are expecting people to be paying, like, close to $20 a month for a subscription, not anymore. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. You don't want to watch Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice? Not for twenty bucks a month. <laughs> you want to watch? Uh, you want to watch Shazam? They they are shooting themselves in the foot by doing that. You don't want to watch Supergirl? On- well, they already have like a DC service. Like, of course they do. But it's like this whole thing where, like, no, we're going to take all of our content, we're going to throw it behind the HBO name, we're going to charge more for it. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. should have kept HBO alone, keep it its own separate thing that everyone can add because there's always going to be people who want the premium HBO content. Respect the premium content, use a different name, have a lower level service that is at the lower rate, that's at the 4 to $6 rate that everyone else is charging, and... No one's going to buy this. No one's going to buy this. No one's going to... Because then, yeah, you could do a bundle where it's $20 a month where you get HBO and your and other service. Yep. But you need to let people choose between the two. Um, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, it's... every. It's just bad. It's bad. It's like reading the Verge article. It's just like a list of how it, they are going through. Like, we're going to survive. But it's like, oh, man, you guys are literally stepping into every misstep right now. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not good. It's real bad. But I say we move on. Let's go. Even though we we've already talked a lot about Star Wars, let's talk about, about more Star Wars. Star Wars. Kevin Feige's making a Star Wars. Kevin Feige is making a Star Wars. I think you know how I've been, I talked about this when they first announced their release dates, and everyone was like, it was like every other Christmas was Star Wars and Avatar. Yeah. I, this, I think, is more evidence to my argument that the other shoe is still to drop about the Star Wars release schedule. Right. Because we all know Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy is still on. Yep. They've announced a new thing with Kevin Feige. I don't think that those three Star Wars films are all the Star Wars are going to get between that no. day and that other day. No, it's, no, no. I, I honestly wonder. There's still one. Uh, there's the. Uh, there's the. Uh, what? The, the Game of Thrones guys. Because the Game of Thrones guys have their trilogy. Ryan Johnson has his trilogy. We have a film. As far as we know, only one film from Kevin Feige. That is three, six, seven films that have been announced, greenlit, and we know will undoubtedly happen. Really, that they're only going to have three released between 2020 and 2025 or 2026. I don't think that's going to happen. I still think that they're going to push Avatar. I don't see any other real option other than to push all the Avatar dates. Because what's smart about it is we always knew Avatar was going to land around those dates mm-hmm. and around those time uh, that time of year. I mean, it could be it could be the case where I think I like Iger talked about it, where it's like Star Wars fans don't well Star Wars in general you don't treat them like Marvel movies, you treat them like event films, and so like yeah, I think I mean it'd be ballsy as hell, but like to preserve the Star Wars brand, like this, it might be good for them to spread out. This, these seven films over the next decade. Yeah. Right? Like, you know. So you might be, this might be like the next decade slate. Yeah. But what I, if, what if, what if Star Wars phase one was, was a, was a decade long? 
I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. I, 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 well, I'm not mad about it. What it gets down to is I think, yes, Star Wars are events. Yeah. I think where their misstep was is was all around Solo. Like, you could see all of this misstepping around the idea that they were going to release another Star Wars film six months. Actually, not really even six months. No. They rushed that film out. A, a it was rushed out. B, it was... It know, had none of the build-up that any of the right. other Star Wars films had. The the switching of directors did not help. No. The... I think there's unclear vision of what that film was. There was... I think they I think they expected it to be a lot funnier than it was. I think they expected it to be a lot more comedic than it was. I think the idea of... I think the idea is really cool. I think the idea of them releasing it in the summer next to Marvel films is... was It was bad. That was a bad release date. Yeah. Everyone besides Disney knew it was a bad release date. Yeah. They cannibalized um, themselves. Apparently, it, and it was all Bob Iger. Apparently, Kathleen Kennedy wanted it to be another December release. Yeah. Um, but... Because if you look at it, if they had followed the pattern that had happened prior, for every other Star Wars film besides Solo, yeah, there had been a major Star Wars. There had been a Star Wars release in December. That's all everyone talked about. And then in April, they had Star Wars Celebration, where you'd release the first trailer, start to get the fan base hyped, and then you build up upon that hype yeah. a little bit at a time over the summer, and then you just hit everyone over the head from October on. Like we're about to get hit over the head starting like. Two weeks from now with Rise of Skywalker, you're not going to be able to avoid it. Oh, yeah. I'm already starting to unfollow things on the internet in preparation for spoilers. Everything. I can't wait, by the way. I can't, I love the bit getting whacked over the head with Star Wars content. I really do. And that never happened with Solo. Solo never, because if they, because the story that they needed to have told and they never really got the time to tell and they would have been able to tell with just Celebration was this film had been greenlit by Lucas... Prior to the Disney acquisition. Yeah. And it was the baby of Lawrence Kasdan. Oh, yeah. And if it's the, the only fan re- base... It's the only... Agree- it's the only reason it happened is he was like, I will not do Force Awakens yeah. if this movie gets killed. Yeah. So as much as everyone's like, oh, it lost money. I'm sure Disney was like, oh, yeah, it lost money. We got to bring Kasdan in and we made how much money on Force Awakens? Yeah. They're fine. It's... If that had been the story that got told at Celebration to the fans, not, and they could then ignore all of the stuff about the director, you could focus on cast and maybe not even bring out Ron Howard. Yeah. Maybe let Ron Howard come out later. Right. Like, Ron can't be here because he's working on the film. Right. And just let Kazin for an hour, talk about his love of Han Solo and why he had to make this film. And I think we would have seen a very different box office gross. Sure. They shat the bed. Yeah. And I think the thing too, when you go back and you watch Solo, it's not a bad movie. It's fun. Yeah. I I really like Solo. Yeah. It's not a bad movie at all. And so like, I don't think that movie's bad. I think a lot of the hate it gets is because of the, uh, the stuff around it. Like, yeah, I think it's fine. It's, I think it's a good movie. I think is it a great movie? No, but no, I think it's, it's, not, I think it's, it's fun. I think it's a good movie. And the thing too is, it's not. It, it, I think it's a film for. It was a film for Star Wars fans. The problem was they hadn't convinced Star Wars fans that the film should exist. Yeah, and think, they didn't weren't able to tell the story about why it existed and why you should care. But I think I, I think the thing we overlooked too is like the idea of the uh, the anthology films. Mm-hmm. I think the idea 
of the anthology film and the precedent set by Rogue One was part of the reason why it failed too because Rogue One was new was new was and was to to me probably either my favorite or second favorite Star Wars movie of all time the last 45 minutes of Rogue One is just I love that it's it's the tension of it it's it's an incredible the ending of that movie, you walk out of that movie going, holy shit. Yeah. Going, right. And so the it's and so for them to come out with that as the first anthology film, of like, they hey, set a this bar is really high. They're like, hey, this is the first of these anthology films. Get ready. Like, hold your butts for the next. Hold one. your butts. Yeah. And then, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden the throw or solo comes out and it's like, what is this? Yeah. What What is this? I think what it comes down to, though, to go back to like the release dates, I think. I think we got used to the idea of Star Wars every year. Mm-hmm. I think anything beyond that is where everyone starts to be like, remember that this is special. Yeah. Slow and needs to be treated special. Slow your roll. Slow your roll. So I that's where I think we can see the Avatar dates specifically get moved around. Sure. Because I can see Star Wars sustaining one film a year and keeping everyone happy. Right. But they have seven films slated three release dates announced yeah and you might be right this might be their plan through 2030 yeah but i remember kevin feige is doing a lot of shit yeah kevin feige's busy kevin feige's got a lot going on i at the moment they announced this film i'm like okay this is going to be the one at like the end of whatever this current slate is well (laughs) someone on reddit was like does kevin feige swap out his marvel hat for a star wars one and then someone in the comments said, no, he has a Star Wars logo on the back. He just turns it like Ash Ketchum catching a Pokemon. <laughs> no, because thing is, if, he, if there's anything he's a bigger fan of than Marvel, it's Star Wars. Yeah. I don't think it's in any... I don't think it's in Disney's best interest to do a clean move him over no, no, no. to Lucasfilm. Because he's so important to what Marvel's doing. Yeah. And I think at this point, Marvel, just just under sheer release and like use of characters, it's more important to have a shepherd for that than it is for... Like, Star Wars kind of open-ended. Star Wars, you can kind of do whatever you want with. Marvel, there's a clear lore. Yes. There's clear history. There's clear characters that you need someone that understands all of that to shepherd. Yeah, like, I, I think what literally this is is not like we and, and, we it's not we we need Kevin yeah to save the day. I think it's literally he's a huge Star Wars fan and he wants to do one and he wants to do one. And you know what? I don't think anyone has a problem with that. I no. think that's literally what this yeah. is. I think any other in depth reading into this is just and obvious. I think people under, like people give her a lot of shit, but like Kathleen Kennedy understands Star Wars is a wonderful shepherd of the star wars brand and a wonderful person to kind of like lead the star wars brand so i don't think they need kevin feige to step in here it's just a matter of this is literally the reason why a lot of people are talking this is this has been like the kind of sort of wet dream of the haters yeah is that somehow everything they don't like about what's happened since disney acquired star wars is all this evil kathleen kennedy's fault yeah and if only they brought in someone like Kevin Feige. And so I think a lot of them are like, see, they're bringing in Kevin. And it's like, that's not it. He's just a fan. He just he, wants he's to He's a do huge it. fan. 
And you know what? This is probably for him. This is the, you know what? I have an idea. I want to play with this. Can I please play in this other playground? And everyone's yeah. like, you know what? Sure. Yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what he wants to do. Yeah. Because here's the other thing. Because I've been thinking about in this. Do- in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, he opens up a portal to Star Wars. And he, jo- and he joins forces with, with the Rebel Resistance. I... Because the more I think about this, specifically about The Last Jedi, there's a lot in The Last Jedi that I think only happened because Ryan Johnson is a person who knew a lot of Star Wars lore, cared about it, because it's the Star Wars fans who sat there, looked at the universe, and then sat there and asked the question, are the Jedi actually good because of XYZ that happened in the prequels? And those questions were part of why Luke went into his exile. Yeah, that doesn't come from someone who's just like I hate Luke. It's no, it's someone who comes in, understands the lore, has had these very same questions, it's, and went, you know what, Luke would ask those exact but same you know what, questions. You know what's funny too? It's so like, I think I think it comes back to this thing, and I, I think this is why like a lot of the casual audience hates Last Jedi because it, it's because Ryan Johnson came at it with like a like a nerd locked in his room with Star Wars lore that thinks too hard about what's going on. But I I feel that the same reason I'm excited about Kevin Feige is he's such a huge Star Wars nerd that A, he's not going to do anything that he thinks violates Star Wars lore. He's going to do something that he finds incredibly fun, but I don't think he's going to do what he necessarily did with Marvel. No, no, no. He's not looking to do that. I think he's looking... I think he's saying... What can I do? What with not not with like the emotional resonance or like the long term plan, but like with the spectacle that was Endgame. How can I do that same spectacle with Star Wars? Like how do how do I how do I make this big bombastic fun kind of movie with Star Wars? And I think yeah. he has an idea. I think he has like, dude, wouldn't you love to see an Endgame style fight sequence? Or like battle sequence in Star Wars. It's called gonna whatever the Knights of the Old Republic movie series is gonna be. That'd be so cool. Uh, Dude, what if Ken Feige's doing the Old Republic movie? And it's just 30 minutes of a fucking lightsaber fight scene in the in the Jedi Temple. If he's doing old Knights of the Old Republic, what are D D doing? That's true. I think Dan and David are doing the uh Old Republic movie. It makes sense that they'd yeah. be doing Old Republic. But no, it's it's just there's lots of fun to speculate about. But yeah, I think, again, a lot of people are reading too much into who it is, not necessarily why he's there. Yeah. Um, By the way, we're we're like a month away from Mandalorian. I'm super oh excited. Uh, basically, the moment Mandalorian comes out, we're going to have to like have a spoiler tag on every single yeah. section. Hey, if you want to come, uh, we'll talk about this later, but if you want to come by that night and watch Mandalorian with me, let me know. Oh, I'll probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two final things. Uh, more Bob Iger book news. Yeah. So uh, when Bob Iger and George Lu- was first talking to George Lucas uh, about acquiring. acquiring Star Wars, like evidently he didn't... I wouldn't say that this was underhanded, mm-hmm. but um, he... They had decided after reading all of his treatments mm-hmm. uh, that they weren't going to use George Lucas's sure. treatments, 
but they had also intentionally wrote the contract in a way where they didn't have to because they wanted the argument would be like, well, if we need to make any changes, we shouldn't necessarily be like in this weird contractual yeah. problem. But that enabled them to just be like, we're not going to use them. And apparently he never told George. So George Lucas didn't know that they had decided to disregard throw and throw it all yeah. away until he had his first meeting with J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan, where they're like, let's, we're going to run you through all of the stuff happening with Force Awakens. Yeah. And George Lucas realized in that meeting that they were not following his treatment. Yeah. He apparently was not happy. No, of course not. And like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. There's no bad guy in this, right? Like, yeah, there's no bad. There's guy no bad in guy in this. And like, apparently, Iger felt really bad because he he's like, I never lied to George, but I never told him the truth, right? <laughs> Which is we were gonna not do right. And so, look, it's hard to say because it's George Lucas's baby, right? Like, obviously, he had like this is his this is his child, and like you know, you just you basically just threw away a third of his child, right? The idea, like, you know, of course he has great ideas. George Lucas is not the strongest writer in the world. No. He is, he is actually not, he is an extremely creative individual, but I think he... It's like the best had, of the prequels is when George Lucas got filtered through Filoni. Yeah. And it's one of those scenes where, I, from my understanding, is that they did take inspiration from his treatments sure but they didn't necessarily follow the story he was going to tell them so and i think that's honestly i think that's one of the reasons why they were just like we're gonna toss these is that they wanted to treat them as a source of inspiration not necessarily the uh the bible Bible. right and that is exactly where i think and i I kind of agree with them on it like yeah i i obviously we haven't read them but like Again, just knowing George Lucas and knowing how he tells stories, I don't necessarily think they're that strong. And I think, like, this is why the best Star Wars films are the ones that he didn't necessarily... It's the ones he produced and helped right. tell the, craft the story behind, but he's he the one... He not, not the ones them. he write, wrote or directed. Right. So, so it's... You know... It is what it is, but that's apparently one of the reasons why he did, because it came out right before Force Awakens opened, that he did not like Force Awakens. Like, he didn't say it publicly, but, like, based on what he said in interviews, everyone basically, more or less, figured it out. Right. But, I mean, like, Um, his reasoning for not liking it, the rumored reasoning for him not liking it... Wasn't the story. It it was was the fact that that they they didn't didn't do anything new. Right. And, like, my thing is, like, it goes back to the thing of, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, you know, Force Awakens did... Fantastic job. Like, dude, the force... I remember sitting in the theater with all of us. We were all yeah, sitting in the theater. Yeah, there was ten of us there. And I remember sitting in the theater, and every time something would happen, we'd all look over and go, this is awesome. Yeah, right? we were like, so <laughs> excited. And it, it, it needed to serve two purposes. It needed to get the fan base just amped. Yeah. And at the same time, it needed to reintroduce Star Wars to, to the a, general audience. Because, and the way you do that is by rehashing what makes Star Wars great. Yeah. Like, the, dude, the, the moment where... They're like to the quad jumper, and they they go to the quad jumper, and it blows up, and they go fine, go to the piece of junk, and yeah, you the turn piece the of junk will do, and you turn it, and it's a million Falcon, Falcon, and, and, and everyone's that, like, yeah, yeah, and everyone in that entire place fucking Just explodes because we were like, of course it's the piece of junk, <laughs> yeah, we should have seen this coming the moment she called it that yeah. that it was going to be the Falcon, but it's I get because one of the things for George 
as a filmmaker that's yeah. so important is to push the boundaries of what can be done right. in film. And you could say on some level that Force Awakens wasn't pushing the boundaries of what can be done it wasn't. in film as so much as they were trying to reclaim how the stories are being told by really emphasizing practical effects right. and all of the creature work because they realized that a lot of the reason why the original trilogy resonated with so many people was how real it felt. Right. And the over-reliance on CGI in the prequels kind of took some of that away. Right. And it, this goes back to what we were talking about with Apple earlier. And I feel the same way here. I hate, personally, and again, I don't, I understand why people do it. And I, I I understand the, the importance of it, but I personally hate uh, pushing boundaries and innovation for the sake of innovation. If there's no purpose behind pushing the boundaries or no purpose behind like innovating it's, without, if if the only purpose for you doing something new is just to do something new, it's a sixty frames per second Hobbit. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. There's no point. It's cool. It's cool tech. Don't do it. It's cool there's tech, no, but it doesn't no like it's like outside of like the demo. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, hey, so, it's cool that we have this available. Cool. I know I have this in my back pocket. If I don't need to use it, I'm not going to use it. Yeah. So it's like I get George's frustration. Yeah. I really do get that. Yeah. But I think that was the only decision Disney could make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think honestly, it was the right one. Uh, but. That's that's it on that note. I think the only final thing is, did you watch... I sent this... I put it in the notes, yeah. but I don't know if you've watched this. I did. I've seen I've seen this video. Um, I, at work, had some a quiet moment, so I had this playing in the background. Yeah. James, why don't you roll the clip? There's no sound, so we can keep talking. I removed all the sound. Just the amount it. of joy yeah. that you can see <laughs> on Pedro Pascal and... Oh, God, I'm going to... Gina Carano. There, thank you. yeah. yeah. As they see the toys from the Mandalorian, yeah. it's just oh, like it's great. It's perfect. This was like my fate. Like, if you don't care about Star Wars toys, like I really don't. I really only watched the Triple Force Friday stream just because it was happening, and right. I happened to be able to sit down and watch it at the time, or ha- really have it in the background at the time. Just watch them react to all of the Mandalorian toys, yeah. and just the fact that Pedro Pascal just starts playing with them. Yeah, it's just. It, it's like the ultimate expression of like giddy um, fandom. Yeah, it's great. And and God, this is gonna be us on Tuesday. But like, yes, uh, I'm. It's it's great to see people people react and like genuinely enjoy something and like genuinely be surprised and genuinely react. And they did this a couple of years ago, similar thing where they did the women of the force or the girls of the force figures at, at uh, celebration, celebration yeah. where they just brought out like ahsoka figures and the ray oh, figure God. it was like brought... every person like they were so like um god i'm blanking on everyone ashley Eckstein yeah. was so excited to see the ahsoka figure yeah um what's who's the girl who plays sabine i forget her name i forget uh, but like they had, but they they brought out Sabine and show, like yeah, they these, the, they were the Jin Erso the figure. Or so, they like, the, like all, all everyone was so excited because this was them. Yeah, and also the great thing about it was it was like the recognition that you know what <laughs> the women of Star Wars are awesome. Yeah, they should have their own toys and figures. Yeah, and again, then we go into the hashtag where's Rose, but um, it I. It just was. It was a. It was the best moment of the the Triple Force Fridays oh, yeah. reveal stream. Uh, you got to love watching like them. 
just be so excited to see all those toys. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I, excited for to see Mandalorian toys because like I'm I'm excited to see Mandalorian. Well, I'm excited to see Mandalorian, but like I I'm a big fan of like like you know I love lightsabers, I love props, so I love like Nerf guns or like any kind of helmets or any kind of like cosplay pieces anything like that i love i'm I'm in love all that stuff so i have 3d printer i 3d print stuff i make stuff whatever anything like that i paint stuff so i like i if i i've painted nerf guns to look like star wars blasters yeah. before, right it's not this is not a new thing for me so like seeing mandalorian toys like dude i want that sleek Django fett silver pistol in a nerf gun right like i yeah. want I want Mandalorian, like the just watching the trailer for Mandalorian. I'm like, I want to make all these weapons. I want to make all this stuff. I want to make Mandalorian armor. Like, I want like a prop stormtrooper helmet on a yeah, stick. Yeah, like I want all this stuff. Like it's so, it's and and like the fact that they're making all these toys for the expanding the expansion of the Star Wars universe, which is not just lightsabers. Yes. Uh, and I, don't get me wrong, love lightsabers. Can't get enough lightsabers, but I want other stuff. I want I like the the thing that I love about Rogue One is like there's no there's lightsaber in the last two minutes, but like there's no lightsaber in that movie, really. Yeah. Uh and they still tell a great Star Wars story. Like the solo, there's no lightsaber in that movie. It's fantastic. Well Okay. But you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, I like, know there's what you're no there's no like there's no like the lightsaber is the, the lightsaber point of, is of the movies. point of the movie. And yeah. then like the thing is with Mandalorian, it looks like there's not gonna be a lightsaber in that movie either, or that show either. So like this is just I'm I'm excited to move away from exploring like, the greater depth of the universe right, rather, rather than being than just like bound to the the, the, the story Jedi. of the Jedi and the Sith right yeah. like I don't not that I don't care but it's like I'm kind of done with this it's not that I'm done with this not, so much I'm as, not done but I'm like I'm just kind of this is the part of the Star Wars universe I always wanted to explore more yeah like that's why I was so excited for like Star Wars 1919 before they got canceled. Like that, I was like, "Cool, I get to be a bounty hunter in the in the underworld, in the underworld of Coruscant." Yeah, yeah it's I'm just like, this like, sounds this awesome. I'm totally in. But yeah, no, I'm glad we're. I'm glad that they are doing this, where it isn't necessarily these are the great important moments in the history of the galaxy, and it's just more living within it, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I think what I wanted as a fan when they first announced the idea of anthology films and all this other stuff was. Let's let this universe live and breathe on a level that Definitely. no other series can do. Yeah. Like, as much as a lot of people are imitating Marvel, and even Disney is was trying to do it a bit with Star Wars, mm-hmm. this is where Star Wars can shine. Right. Is that you can sit there and do an everyday story within this universe. Right. And people will watch it and be interested in right. it because the setting is just as interesting as the characters within it. Right. Um. So, Yeah. But we'll, of course, be spoiling Mandalorian left and right in streams in the future. But I think that does it for now. Um, So, James, why don't we roll credits? In 30 minutes time, though, (laughs) we are going to be playing Oregon Trail 2 as part of another episode of 640 by 480. I have no doubt in my mind there will be deaths by dysentery or cholera or both. (laughs) Um, So, speed sure to stick around or tune in in 30 but we will see you guys next time